Friday. I'm Quinn Emmett, subbing in for Brian Colbert-Kennedy, and this is Important Not Important. This is your weekly update. The most important science news, how to think about it, and what you can do about it. This week, climate finance remains unregulated. It's God versus vaccines. AI antibiotics are coming. And new data on food waste since the 1960s. You can find the digital version and links to everything at importantnotimportant.com slash newsletter or right from your show notes. It's Friday, April 9th. This week, make no mistake, folks, on the whole, human life has considerably improved since the days before, for example, chemotherapy, since before penicillin, before seatbelts, family planning, dentistry, toilet paper, vaccines, fluoride, germ theory, GPS, anesthesia, Mario Kart, insulin, blood transfusions, and clean water. We have eliminated or drastically reduced so many straight-up horrifying threats that seem barbaric by today's standards, but not so long ago were widely accepted as the way it goes. Not that all or really any of those advances are truly available everywhere equally today. If they were, I wouldn't be sitting behind this microphone, in front of this microphone. Who knows? Anyways, just because we have them, just because life expectancy is like double since we used to just bleed it out, doesn't mean we can stop there. New threats by way of our massive man-made progress are here, and more are on the horizon. COVID required the concentration of all of the world's scientists to develop astoundingly effective vaccines in a record amount of time. We very clearly need to rebuild public health, and the climate crisis requires new ideas and investments along the same. The advent of telehealth is a small but significant step in the right direction. And remarkable opportunities exist for transformational climate tech of both the hard silicon variety and others more natural. Now, your first thought is probably, woohoo, electric vehicles. And with transportation at 30% of U.S. emissions and air pollution being a root cause of a hell of a lot of health issues, you're not wrong. But the opportunities go so much deeper. Food waste, solid waste, heat pumps, carbon sequestration and storage, sustainable fashion, decentralized solar, aviation fuel, solid-state batteries, utility-scale batteries, HVDC transmission lines, energy management, methane-tracking satellites, fucking brontosaurus-sized turbine blades, refrigeration, geothermal, plant-based meat, cell-based meat, cement, bioplastics, micromobility, and don't sleep on old but doubly essential tools like bikes and public transportation, and don't miss wild new ideas like perovskite solar cells. On the natural side, agriculture, kelp forests, and 3D ocean farming. Microbial optimization, soil health, mangroves, and deforestation monitoring will all help fight this crisis, add millions of jobs, and transform our industries for the better. The question is, why aren't you working on them? This week in climate change and clean energy news, more money, more problems. Understand this, in a truly delightful turn of events, Some of climate journalism's heaviest hitters piled on the corporate finance bullshit this week, and we're all winners here. From Heated, in a collab with new joint floodlight, the two Emilies report. U.S. banks are pledging to help fight the climate crisis alongside the Biden administration, but their boards are dominated by people with climate-related conflicts of interest, and they continue to invest deeply 
in fossil fuel projects. Three out of every four board members at seven major U.S. banks, so 77%, have current or past ties to climate-conflicted companies or organizations, from oil and gas corporations to trade groups that lobby against reducing climate pollution, according to a first-of-its-kind review by Climate Influence Analysis for the blog Desmog. What it means. If the past few decades are indicative of anything, it's that wildly exposed banks aren't going to regulate themselves, and poorly performing U.S. professional sports teams aren't going to relegate themselves. Now, I'm aware that that's a different topic for a different newsletter, but it provides me the same level of angst. Anyways, those same banks have poured $3.8 trillion into fossil fuel companies since the Paris Agreement, into the same companies that receive $62 billion in indirect subsidies a year. The White House and Congress need to design and enforce climate finance regulations, capital requirements, and climate-related stress tests. Here's your action step. Use the quick email tool at priceofoil.org to tell your representatives to oppose any further fossil fuel bailouts. In COVID news, please God, help out. Understand this. The U.S. is averaging 3 million shots a day in a race against new virus variants. But vaccine hesitancy, I guess if you want to still call it that, uh, has a whole new ringleader. From the New York Times, Stephanie Nana, an evangelical Christian in Edmond, Oklahoma, refused to get a COVID-19 vaccine because she believed it contained aborted cell tissue. Nathan French, who leads a non-denominational ministry in Tacoma, Washington, said he received a divine message that God was the ultimate healer and deliverer, and the vaccine is not the savior. Lori Armstrong, a Bible-believing nutritionist outside of Dallas, said she did not need the vaccine because God designed the body to heal itself if given the right nutrients. More than that, she said, it will be God's will if I'm here or if I'm not here. Why does this matter? Because there are about 41 million white evangelical adults in the U.S., and about 45% of those said in late February that they would not get vaccinated against COVID-19 making them among the least likely demographic groups to do so, according to the Pew Research Center. What it means. If almost 20 million Americans are vehemently opposed to getting a vaccine, this thing is going to drag on a whole hell of a lot longer than it needs to. Here's your action step. If you've got skeptical evangelists in your life, please send them to Christians in the Vaccine at christiansinthevaccine.com, a truly thoughtful, factual, and biblically-minded resource designed by Professor Curtis Chang at the Duke Divinity School. We've got a crossover event this week between medicine and artificial intelligence, which is probably going to keep happening, and it's algorithms for the win. Understand this, COVID came kind of out of nowhere, and we had to lock ourselves inside and throw Michael Bay amounts of resources at it, and we're barely going to make it out of this thing. The forthcoming antibiotics nightmare is a whole nother story. 700,000 people die globally every year from drug-resistant infections, and we're just getting started. But this time, we've got artificial intelligence on our side. I say knocking on wood and praying it stays that way. From Vox. IBM researchers are using an AI system that can automatically generate the design of molecules for new antibiotics. 
In a new paper published in Nature Biomedical Engineering, the researchers detail how they've already used it to quickly design two new antimicrobial peptides, that is, small molecules that can kill bacteria, that are effective against a bunch of different pathogens in mice. Normally, this molecule discovery process would take scientists years, but the AI system did it in a matter of days. What that means. Look, this isn't unlike the emissions race. Yes, we can develop cool new technology and use a bunch of trees to suck the old stuff out of the air, but also we need to stop producing new emissions yesterday. It's the same with antibiotics overuse in people and livestock. Here's your action step. There are 50 states currently in the United States and a bunch of other territories in D.C. Today, only California and Maryland have passed laws restricting antibiotic use in farm animals. That leaves 48 states and a bunch of other places to go. You can use Common Cause at commoncause.org to call or write your state reps and insist that they legislate to, quote, reserve antibiotic use solely for the treatment of sick animals or to control a verified disease outbreak, not for routine disease prevention. This week in food and water news, understand this. Despite productivity innovations, climate change, most notably and unevenly, growing in extreme heat, have resulted in a 21% of agricultural output being lost since JFK swept into office and suits monogrammed JFK, which is ridiculous. What that means. Folks, the UN estimates just this week that 34 million humans are on the brink of famine. And that is a Real setback to what we talked about earlier, all that life's getting better for most people stuff. Here's your action step. You would be amazed at how much food waste can be reduced on a local level. Use REFED, that's R-E-F-E-D, to find food waste policies and best practices that are already kicking ass across cities across America that you can enact in your own town. Here's the roundup. Navajo Nation is bringing two new solar plants online and will reap the benefits. To be clear, wildfires can be really good, but California's upcoming wildfire season is looking out of control once again. I urge you to be prepared. The top 10 most commonly used test datasets in the world average 3.4% on errors, which is super fun. New EPA chief Michael Reagan is firing Trump cronies and coming for tailpipes by July. Tired, smoking, asthma, ventilator damage. Wired, the world's first trachea transplant. Buried in the new infrastructure plan, electric school buses, and Wi-Fi for the next generation of rural scientists. There's a list of the 100 startups redefining artificial intelligence, and thankfully Skynet is not on that list. You can find the list right in our newsletter. Who's going to win the battery wars? There's a very good chance it'll be a European. And what kind of amazing person signs up to be infected purposefully with the coronavirus? Something, something about the common good. And lastly, important, unimportant podcasts in the news. Resident electrification expert and friend of the pod, Dr. Leah Stokes, has the first and last word on Biden's big clean power plants. You can't talk about clouds and emissions without consulting Dr. Kate Marvel. Are vaccine passports cool or not cool? Dr. Natalie Kofler weighs in. Farshini Prakash of the Sunrise Movement says Biden needs to go bigger with his plans. Way bigger. And Professor Rebecca Henderson is keenly interested to know what an economy run by women 
might look like. So are we. That's it for this week, folks. To go deeper on any of the news or to find your action steps, go to importantnotimportant.com newsletter. And thanks as always for being part of our community. And thanks for giving a shit. Have a great weekend.